save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen on sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. What, uh, what about you, Tim? Did you have a chance to see this? Hello? Do we... Sorry, I'm watching the trailer. Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess that answers my question. So welcome to Spodcast, episode number 13. My name is Tim Mitchell and I'm in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Jaime Lopez in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And of course, we have Jonathan Kuline in Mississauga, Ontario. Hello there. All righty then. So did you get your package arrive, Jaime? Yeah, uh, t- yeah. two sets of things, uh, some coming from Amazon and the other coming from uh, JCPenney from a Black Friday deal. So I completely forgot about the latter, and it's a good thing it came around the same time. All right, yeah, we were just waiting for um, Jaime's dog, Pollo, to freak out, right? Pollo. Yeah, I knew he was going to be unhappy so i said well there's no sense in trying to do an audio recording so all you're going to hear is my dog barking in the background and me scuttling away trying to answer the door but seriously you're not going to call that a dog are you it's uh well <laughs> i mean do you want to do like a 23 me on it like we've, we've been talking about doing it before i was like well if you want to pay for it and we can yeah. <laughs> what mixture so what breed is it he's a we think he's a chihuahua we're not like he's got normal chihuahua features except he's kind of weirdly long and weirdly tall for being a chihuahua so yeah. kind of like a like I describe him the Yao Ming, tall, skinny Yao Ming basketball player type. Yeah, I have a Yao Ming lab actually. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, Jonathan, is that a real dog? What do you think? A uh, giant Chihuahua. Uh, you sure, it's not a shaved rat <laughs> or a cat that barks. <laughs> All right, enough enough Jaime abuse. All right, so so we do the fact check first. Let's do the fact check. Let's All right, fact check. Uh, one thing from last week's episode, episode twelve. Uh, one hour, two minutes, fifty-two seconds. Superman, the motion picture starring Christopher Reeve, released on December 15th, 1978. There you go. Right, that's Christopher Reeve as opposed to George Reeves. That's the one, yep. And actually, that was the movie where, um, sorry, now I've forgotten, I've forgotten the two guys' names, Joe Schuster and... Uh, Jerry, Jerry Siegel. Yeah, that's when they got their their credit for uh, being the creators of uh, of the Superman character and the Superman verse, as it were. Right? You got it. Yeah, so... And so, so Jaime, I was, one of the things I sort of put in my follow-up stuff was um, I remember using Hulu when it first came out and it was free was is it still sort of they still have sort of have free content on it or no free content i mean it, there's a free trial now i think but they they were free for a long time and i think a year maybe two years ago they switched it to be uh premium only with a free trial of i don't know a day uh, sorry a week or 30 days or something i'm sure yeah i'm thinking at least five or maybe seven years ago i remember being in the states once and, and it wasn't alec baldwin as spokesperson for it or something like that that right you remember mm, probably since it's partially owned by uh, NBC Universal Comcast or or Cable Town, as it probably would have been called <laughs> from the Thirty Rock uh, era that right, right. Baldwin would have been in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Anyway, and the other follow up I had for Jonathan was um, so I remember when I used to read the comic books, and I think I know I've talked to you about this character before, but it was a, like an alien, super intelligent alien or whatever that used to like put Metropolis in a glass jar, and Superman had to try and get him out of there. Do you remember that? Yes, he collect he collected cities or something like that, right? Correct. 
correct. Some, yeah, that's Brainiac. Is that, oh, is that his name is Brainiac? Brainiac. Okay, yep. Sure. Yep. Yep. Yeah, because we haven't we haven't seen any any of him in the movies and stuff like that. Is he still around in the in the comic books? He is, and there's been some good arcs over the years, different stories and stuff. But um, yeah, no, it's he's been raised as one that might be a good character to do. Uh, you know, to do as a, a big epic, you know, classic villain kind of arc with uh, Superman. And I wonder if that's somebody that might go to for Man of Steel too. Should they decide that they want to throw more money away and make more uh, uh, Superman solo pictures? So, what was the gist of it? He would shrink the city and put it in glass, or he would just take the whole city and he was that big or something? Well, the idea was that he's uh, this sort of super intelligent being, and so what he does is he goes around and he uh, he like he's an extraterrestrial, an alien, and so he goes around to these different um, planets and he collects pieces of their culture using his shrinking ray and then uh that way he's sort of preserving them he's, he's protecting them um but obviously he you know goes to that degree of you know not caring what happens to the rest of the planet or destroying the rest of the planets because he doesn't feel the need to you know preserve all of it so he becomes this sort of nasty villain that way right right okay all right okay well that's, I, I think i mentioned it on the show before i watched travelers it's quite a good show um sort of it has a time travel element i always like stories that have that kind of story in it but um i mean suffice to say it's like a, a group of travelers that come from the future and inhabit bodies in, in the current time um and you know they sort of adjust to the sort of uh society that we live in now and and yet they have these missions that they have to deal with so it's kind of interesting um how they have to deal with their average everyday you know 20 20 sec what do be 21st century lives and and but they're from the future many years in the future but this year this week they their episode was kind of interesting it was it was that same time loop thing that we just saw on um the orville a couple of weeks ago and uh, we've seen on Trek a number of times where you know there's some sort of calamity that happens and everybody ends up dead and then but then you find out that it's actually the beginning of a loop that's being played over and over again um, and it's it's I'm sort of talking about it here as it's kind of uh, a conceit you know sort of because it's um, it's immediately obvious how it's going to end right so there's somebody's going to figure it out and they're going to fix the loop or whatever but uh, it's interesting that other shows are starting to fall back on this as kind of a convenient uh, interesting but convenient you know trope in science fiction right so yeah it's 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 well-worn territory you know we've seen so much time travel in science fiction it it really is becoming something that's difficult to do originally and well yeah well this one this one had a bit of a sort of sort of a butterfly effect in that they were trying to you know change it up every time they came back and played the loop again it was like um, another traveler came back to try and try and warn them is what what happened right but uh yeah and i think it's the first time i've ever seen eric mccormick shot dead on 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 screen i wonder if that's the first time he's ever had to do a dying scene whatever well he hasn't been shot dead on will and grace yet no not in will and grace oh, no all right, no, all right no, fair no, enough shot other ways but not that no oh lord <laughs> i uh I, I was thinking about this the other day about time travel and um so they've, they've already announced what they intend to do for a flash solo film right. spun out of the character that we we got introduced to in justice league and the story that they're going to do it was a comic-based story called Flashpoint and of course it's a time travel story and the premise which is sort of widely out there so I don't think I'm spoiling anything but I'll throw the spoiler in there in case people don't want to know but the premise is loosely that uh, as they establish in the Justice League movie his father has been accused of killing his mother he doesn't believe right, yeah, his, right. he did it uh, so he travels back in time to prevent his mother's death and that has a ripple effect that completely changes not just his life but the entire DC universe. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Well, they, they play that out on the TV show 
as well, don't they? Yeah, they did a they did a Flashpoint storyline. They changed some of the characters based out of of their sort of version of Flashpoint. In the comic book version, it's much more radical in what happens. In that, you know, it fundamentally changes characters. Like, you know, Batman isn't Bruce Wayne anymore, and oh, really? wow. there's some really substantial ripple effects that come out of it. It's it's a quite a good comic book, and I'd highly recommend it if people want to step into it. You can actually pick that one up and read it without really having to know a heck of a lot outside of mainstream DC, you know, you know, Bruce Wayne's Batman, you know, Superman is, you know, from outer space, you can pick it up and read it. But uh, it'll be really interesting to see how where they go with that as a film, because that time travel thing, like we said, has been a little worn out. It'd be kind of fun to see if they can do, you know, something really neat with that. Yeah. So do they in that flashpoint, do they fix time? Do they go back? Do they make it so it goes back to regular normal time? Or they they just- do, but that was actually the precipitating uh, factor for something that DC did uh, it was good seven years ago now they did a, uh, a reboot of their universe called the new 52 uh, where they burned down their old universe and started everything from number one again and mm-hmm. so they used this flashpoint as the jumping off point for that so they changed some costumes they changed a few backstories they sort of that's when they put uh, Superman no longer wears his underpants on the outside of his outfit uh, <laughs> you know they they actually went through they changed uh, you know a couple of different characters backstories they sort of cleaned a few things up in continuity so they actually used that flashpoint thing to reboot a little bit and that makes me wonder if maybe that's what they might do with this dc sort of dark universe thing they've got going on where you know they're looking for an opportunity to do a little reboot that might be a place where they could do that and sort of go and and Mm. rejig things and hey maybe ben affleck isn't batman in this universe that they moved to or you know what i mean like give him a chance to hit the reset button yeah it's interesting what I was telling about in in the Heinlein's book, The Number of the Beast, where it's basically exploring parallel universes. Um, it has a really interesting beginning story, but but uh, at one of the universes they go to, all fictitious characters are actual real, real, right? So there is Superman and Batman, and, and essentially it's all the characters from Heinlein's novels are actually real people, you know, and they all know they're written by Robert Heinlein, which is kind of interesting. So it's kind of a twisty sort of couple of chapters in the book, but uh, if you're if you're into like you know parallel universes or altered you know timelines and things like that they really mess with it that way right it's kind of cool same sort of idea that you know that you know we have a history in in the time in the universe that we're in but like i said in in another universe you know britain becomes a superpower not america kind of thing right Hmm. and they don't fly jets they fly ornithopters right so you know they fly but a lot slower (laughs) not enough ornithopter stories out there it's true it's true and you all right what else is going on i think we hit some of the the quick hit things or, or depending on the topic um one quick hit i have here i don't recall if we talked specifically about Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle on this show mm-hmm. maybe maybe an after show we mentioned it in passing no I think we uh, we talked about maybe the characters but uh, you know the because there was a story about um, the costumes in that a while back but not not on this show I don't think okay okay um, yeah I do remember that that controversy about like what everyone's wearing but um, I guess spoilers for the trailer which isn't really the, the, the topic here um, it turns out they're video game characters or they get sucked into the Jumanji video game and that's sort of like the analogy to being stuck inside of the Jumanji board game. Um, but the news here is that uh, Amazon is adding a perk for its Prime members. 
where subscribers will have the opportunity to purchase early tickets to Jumanji. So Jumanji is supposed to officially release on December 20th of uh, this year, but they can buy tickets for the December 8th sort of preview showing, I guess, uh, at a thousand theaters around the US. Um, this is an interesting thing to me because it makes me wonder if if this turns out to be successful at all, if other um, other providers will do the same. Right? So this well, I was going to say, like, are you really it. eager to go see Jumanji in the theater? Really? I mean, I don't know. It, it seems fun. You know, it's got Jack Black. It's got uh, Kevin Hart and Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Um, could be another popcorn movie to kind of hint back to, to last week. But you can imagine that if you're, let's say you're you're Disney and you say, you know what? We got this new, well, it's probably too late for The Last, uh, the last Jedi. But let's say whatever episode nine is, you say, you know what? If you subscribe to our Disney streaming channel, we will give you, the fans, a one day, a one week, whatever it is, early premium access uh, to purchase tickets. Now, how do you feel about paying our, I don't know, five ninety nine to nine ninety nine <laughs> US uh, streaming price? Now it becomes. So wait, I get to pay more price. for early access to the movie? Tell me more. <laughs> Like it seems like it, it could be a, a way that different subscription providers, in this case Amazon, so Amazon Prime is a little bit further away from the kind of things we're normally used to, like CBS All Access. Uh, I could see CBS and Paramount teaming up to do something for like a, a Star Trek movie if one should come out. And I mentioned Disney before, but I think this is one to sort of keep an eye on to see what ends up happening here. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I, I hadn't heard about that. I wonder if they're doing that in Canada for Prime as well. Yeah, but that's a good question. Well, one thing we're getting from Prime all right away is uh, is um, free access to their Apple, Amazon Music channel. So and I think it's comparative or competitive with the Apple iTunes offering or the Apple Music offering, right? I, I must admit I haven't looked into it. Mm-hmm. Hmm. All right. Okay, what's next? Lorca. Lorca. <laughs> oh, Lorca. Kirk and Lorca. <laughs> Kirk and Lorca. So uh, funny little story, just a little uh, little fun on social media this week. So uh, it was on, I think, Sunday that uh, Jason Isaacs on his Twitter account announced that he'd been blocked by William Shatner. Uh, so he he posted in this, uh, I'll quote this, I've been blocked by at William Shatner, the unkindest cut of all, he wrote. Mm-hmm. In, in what way have I broken the prime directive, Captain? Right. So they went back and forth a little bit. He, so Jason Isaac said, was it the end of the sentence, minor key uptick, the quizzical eyebrow and blue eyeliner, the just too tight uniform? Forgive me my sins. It's an homage, I swear. So after, you know, a little bit of fun on social media, going back and forth and the fans weighing in and everything else, uh, Shatner announced uh, two days later, Tuesday, he announced, uh, he who must not be named BFF is now unblocked. Uh, right. Referencing, of course, Isaac's playing Voldemort's uh, buddy. Lucius Malfoy in the Harry Potter films. Oh, okay. So uh, Isaacs gets the last word uh, posting uh, yesterday afternoon or evening. To be unblocked by at William Shatner, I had to marry off a ginger royal, fire an intercontinental missile at Japan, and get Trump not to insult heroic Native American code talkers in front of an offensive painting of their worst enemy that he put there. Hashtag right. two out of three is not bad. So <laughs> clearly having a good time. Jason Isaacs, definitely somebody you should be watching on social media if you're not. He He's mm-hmm. at Jason's Folly, a, a, at J-A-S-O-N-S-F-O-L-L-Y. A lot I'll of fun. I'll link in the show notes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, just a little fun between captains, I think. I want to know why at William Shatner blocked him the first time. I don't know. It was probably a keyboard error, I'm sure. Yeah, probably. All right. Um, so, hey, uh, what's happening with Supergirl and Flash? Yeah, so this follows up a story from a few weeks ago. So there had been a story that uh, Andrew Kreisberg, who was the showrunner for both the the popular CW show 
shows, The Flash and Supergirl, uh, had been suspended for uh, allegedly uh, some uh, allegations of sexual misconduct. Uh, mm-hmm. So word came uh, out today that uh, he's been fired from the show permanently, uh, removed from the show. Uh, and uh, this is following an investigation into those allegations. Uh, so he's yet another person to uh, be added to that list of uh, ever-growing list of people who are uh, finding themselves without their employment after abusing their uh, their privilege. So um, hmm. a bit of a blow. Obviously, those are two uh, two shows that are close to my heart. I have really enjoyed uh, Supergirl and The Flash are definitely my two favorite of those CW uh, DC shows. And uh, so a shocking, uh, shocking turn of events. Uh, apparently, Greg Berlanti, who's sort of the creator of uh, that Arrowverse, they call it, uh, is going to step in and help uh, run things for the rest of the season. But yeah, weird, uh, weird development out of that world too. Apparently, there was um, as many as 19 people came forward and it was men and women uh, who wow. came forward to uh, file complaints uh, about Andrew Kreisberg's behavior. So again, shocking turn for this, uh, you know, sort of very sort of wholesome corner of the DC uh, universe, uh, you know, besmirched by this behavior. So uh, yeah, kind of kind of upsetting turn there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't, it's extra unusual to me because, uh, so I'm admit I'm a little bit less familiar with The Flash, Legend of Tomorrow and Arrow. I never really watched many of those uh, shows. Um, so most of my interaction with them is by watching Supergirl and when they have uh, crossovers between um, all the, the CW series, the Arrowverse as, as mentioned there. And from what I can tell, uh, they all seem to be shows that are very, very progressive. A uh, lot of minority characters, a uh, lot of, um, well, Supergirl in particular has uh, tons of very strong women characters, uh, easily passes the Bechdel test like just about every week, probably. Um, so to see these sort of allegations coming out on somebody who's running what appears to be a very, very progressive and forward thinking, um, you know, multiverse is is very shocking, very shocking to me, very disturbing. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, like I say, I, you know, I, I think this is where we get into the larger discussion about, you know, can you separate the artist from the art? And, you know, I, I've read more than a few articles over the last few weeks about, you know, how are you supposed to feel about the art made by people you know have done, you know, uh, awful things? You know, uh, there was a great piece in the Paris Review last week about Woody Allen and how that sort of has been a lingering wound for, for 20 years now, um, it, you know, right down to the Kevin Spacey's and the Louis C.K.'s and all these people who have, you know, found themselves, uh, uh, you know, being put forward as, uh, you know, people who have behaved badly and in some cases reprehensibly. Um, you know, I wonder, does this sort of jade how you view these things? Like, do you feel differently about it? I think I think it does. I mean, like in the study of art, you know, the I mean, the uh, I study, you know, obviously studied art. And one of the things about art artists is we seem to think of them as being separated from from society. They're, you know, they're sort of seen as aloof and um, standing off on the side observing. But in reality, they're a product of their society. Right. So their commentary, whether it's a painting or a comic book or a movie or, or a role they're playing is informed by the by their the, the environment they're, they're raised in or they live in right and if their behavior um, off screen or you know when they're away from the canvas is reprehensible that has to inform the work in terms of in terms of where the what where the emotions and the messages are coming from so you know I don't think that 
somebody can be um, badly behaved and yet appeal and and have their art be separated from that, right? Because because now now knowing that this type of uh, person has created this thing, you know, you look at their work in a different light. Hitler was a great painter, but you know, he was also a jerk. So it's it's interesting you mentioned art, and and I don't want to digress too far away from science fiction, but you know, there have been. Uh, any number of famous artists over the years sure. uh, yeah. who are, again, like just reprehensible human beings, uh, but their work still hangs in galleries. Well, it, yeah, it does because of, because of where it fits in the world. But, but that's one of the things, though, is that you, like, the problem with art is, is that you think you go to a gallery and you're seeing it in this sterile form. And yet, you know, if I told you that Michelangelo and Leonardo were both, you know, diddlers and they were both um, accused of, you know, doing bad things with young men um that would change your opinion of them wouldn't it well uh, pablo picasso is another one right like yeah he's another one it's a total womanizer for sure legendarily uh you know uh, had you know numerous affairs and and you know treated his wives reprehensibly and all these other things yeah, you know yeah. yet you know we still lionize him as this genius of art you know where does that line up with woody allen and to a far lesser degree because of his notoriety uh andrew yeah. Christ you know like how do we yeah. how do we reconcile those things when you know can you love the art and hate the artist well Woody's, Woody's a tricky guy too because you know for me personally because I liked Woody Allen's early work I really did and and yet I cannot help but think every time I see a Woody Allen movie now that this is made those words because you know when you watch a Woody Allen movie those words are not the people who are saying those words those are Woody's words sure right? they are you can tell by the, the cadence and the intonation and, and the sense of humor and the sarcasm that's in there, right? That that's Woody Allen talking through these people, right? Um, you know, in very sort of John being John Malkovich kind of way, right? But they, they, um, I can't, I can't not put out of my mind, you know, his relationship with Mia Farrow and, and his current wife, who was his adopted daughter at one point, you know? Absolutely. Realist, right? So, yep. you know, it's, it's kind of weird. I mean, even Celine Dion, I look at Celine Dion, you know, famous Canadian singer, probably one of our greatest America, greatest exports to America. And yet she had this marriage and relationship and you know with her manager you know yeah like what crosses that guy's mind when he's like you know dealing with the 17 year old girl you know like seriously well and Woody Allen's an interesting one too because as you say his pieces have have so always been a piece of autobiography right yeah, yeah he's sure. his neuroses these are his issues these are his takes on life so his two greatest pieces of work are arguably Annie Hall and Manhattan right will we get a great on that yeah so manhattan is about a middle-aged man who's sleeping with a teenager yeah i haven't i haven't actually seen i haven't seen annie hall or manhattan yet i I do mean to um but yeah you're right that's that's the one where he with um with mariel hemingway yeah 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 Yeah, Uh, you know (laughs) like at some point you know like the warning signs go off right like you know this guy was writing about how it was a perfectly acceptable thing for a you know she was supposed to be 17 in the movie and he's whatever he's supposed to be 40 something but was it perfectly successful you just said it was acceptable was it really well i don't know that it was um but i mean again my awareness of it is is all post 
facto. Again, it came out in 1979. I was uh, five. So I don't have yeah. a, a frame of reference in that time span of what that reaction was like at the time. Uh, but I can I can look at it. Like I remember watching that movie when I was probably in my teens and thinking, that's gross. But, yeah. you know, Woody Allen's always been a little, you know, off color at times. And, you know, again, this is the guy yeah, who wrote... So, so was Louis C.K. I mean, like, you know, his last couple of Saturday Night Live performances were like severely questionable, right? But but he was he was basically making. I thought at the time he was making trying to make us think, right? Yeah. Um. You know, they were they were like really beyond off cuff, right? Um. Especially on live television. Yeah. Uh, but but you know, I mean, so but here, let me let me put you in the position of Mariel Hemingway, though, like not the actress, but the character in the, in the story, right? Your your decision making faculty at forty four. You're forty four now. Yeah. Uh, forty three. Forty three. Forty three. So your decision decision making fa- faculties at forty three. Compare those to your decision making faculties at seventeen. Oh uh, yeah, of course, of course. Right? Would you make the same decisions? I don't think so. Right? So can that seventeen year old girl be really, you know, making the best decision for herself at that point in time? No, of course not. And the movie plays that out, right? But oh, does it? Okay. okay. Yeah. No, it, it does. But it's also, you know, again, you know, we see this sort of, you know, art reflects life. We see these sort of, you know, signals that there was, you know, clearly, you know, this was something that was, a, you know, in retrospect, a very dark, weird, twisted kind of portrayal. Uh, and then, you know, of course, then we have this whole thing come out later on with, you know, as you said, him and his uh, his partner's daughter, um, who was a teenager at the time. And you're, you know, and, you know, the, the heart wants what it wants was his famous quote, right? You know? Right, right. Uh, sure. You know, okay, that's pretty frightening. But can you go back and look at those pictures now and, and still I can't. The same? I can't. I mean, I still, I try to watch Willie Allen, Willie Allen movies all the time now and, and I have a real hard time with them. I mean, I, I watched them for the cinematography. I watched them for the storytelling. You know, I, I watched, uh, I thought I was watching Manhattan, but there's another Manhattan movie that, that he did mm. um, later um, with, with Diane Keaton in it, of course, but it wasn't, it was color. You know, um, I got duped by Turner Classic Movies because the, the, the Rogers TV channel thing said Manhattan, but it wasn't. It was a, the newer version. I, I watched a bit of it and, and I couldn't get all the way through it. I just couldn't. Yeah. I, I can't remember what the subject matter was and it wasn't particularly disturbing but it was just sort of like you know um, it's almost like Woody Allen writing a text that justifies you know bad behavior yeah yeah, yeah. in a relationship right so so you know what is this going to do you know and, and Jaime maybe you know you have some thoughts on this because I know you enjoy Supergirl what does this do for you going forward you know obviously from now on you know they're going to carry over some of the storylines that would have been put in place under Kreisberg's leadership um, and you could look back on you know I, I don't I think we can agree that season one was not the best season of television, but season two is extremely strong stuff and a show that I, you know, thoroughly enjoy. One of the ones I look forward to every week. You know, how do you go back and view that through that prism? Yeah, it'll it'll definitely make me wonder. So I, I have to think more about looking back what that'll be like. But certainly going forward, I'll I'll probably notice when there's a tonal shift uh, when the new showrunner takes over. Um, it does it does make me want to go back and rewatch some of those episodes and see if there's any of that um, the artist's life coming out through the art sort of thing that we were just talking about with uh, Woody Allen and Louis C.K. Like maybe there is stuff like, oh, wait, that seemed like a weird, you know, it, it just seemed like a, a casual offhanded comment. And now it's like, oh, maybe that had something dark to it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I find this whole, you know, ongoing, continuing, uh, you know, again, today we saw, you know, Matt Lauer on, uh, you know, the yeah. Today Show. We saw Garrison Keillor, uh, you know. Garrison Keillor, really? Garrison oh. Keillor was, uh, was fired today from his uh, ancillary projects with uh, um, MPR for uh, alleged impropriety as well after an investigation.
investigation. Uh, you know, again, we're talking about, you know, fairly, uh, you know, iconic and established, you know, people in all kinds of positions that are, that are, you know, being undone because of their past behavior or mm-hmm. current behavior in some cases. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's affecting everybody in every walk of life except apparently politics, um, where you can get away with anything apparently. Uh, it, you know, it is, it is shocking and, and no one's, you know, no area is immune. Again, can you go back and, and view all these amazing works that were done by Miramax over the years, you know, without thinking about Harvey Weinstein's influence? Can you go back and look at, you know, I was, I was talking to somebody today about LA Confidential, which I think is an absolutely sublime piece of filmmaking, but, and, and a, a wonderful performance by Kevin Spacey, but I don't yeah. think I'll be able to look, look at that picture the same again. Well, it's like Baby Driver. I, lo- I love Baby Driver. He was a scoundrel in Baby Driver, but now it, it adds a whole new layer to it, you know, and I love Edgar Wright's movies and I'm, I'm really disappointed that, 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 that has stained that great little piece of work. Right? Yeah. Now, did you guys hear about uh, Ridley Scott's new picture? He's, yeah, he just fired uh, he, Spacey, right? He had already filmed all the scenes. Apparently it was not a large role. He had filmed all these scenes with Kevin Spacey as one of the characters and he's actually recast with Canadian uh, Christopher Plummer and is going back at multi-millions of dollars worth of expense and reshooting all those scenes because he does not want his film to be derailed by having uh, you know the presence of this person who's you know come into such scandal uh, right, right. you know and, and that's you know that's a a huge monetary price to pay but you know I, I could see why I mean we've seen seen over the years the number of things that have just been undone by you know like who's going to go see this movie and not immediately be taken out of the experience by you know oh that's you know oh the allegations and the stories and the rumors and you know right, right. yeah well that was quite a digression but uh, you know <laughs> I think it's interesting though again like I said there's no you know we talk about science fiction and we definitely you know we tend to skew to the lighter side but you know mm-hmm. the this story with Christberg today I think you know illustrates to us this is you know men in power will abuse power in a lot of different places and uh, in this world of science fiction is not immune to that and uh, you know good on uh, you know the CW and that production for you know taking this seriously these allegations and doing an investigation and clearly they found there was enough impropriety to decide to fire this guy and uh, you know hopefully that's a clean slate and and things get better there you know maybe we'll see that reflected in you know we'll see even better performances from people who are happier to be at work now you know right right Mm -hmm. which I guess takes us to Disney right takes us to Disney so uh, I wanted to touch on this a couple weeks ago but we uh, we just didn't have the capacity so um, Disney is apparently uh, back at the table with Fox uh, and the rumor is that Disney is looking to buy all of Fox's film assets uh, so it's not Fox News right no the idea is that they would separate those things because uh, there would be too much um, th- there's uh, they couldn't own Fox News because they own ABC so they couldn't own that anyways and Fox apparently wants to divest itself of its film and television production but keep why? Its, I why. Uh, because I, I don't think it's a hugely profitable portion of the company at this point they could probably make a lot of money off it and I think they want to focus on their television uh, their news their sports and being that uh, I don't think they want to be in the producing side anymore so uh, at this point you know Disney has to be absolutely frothing to be able to get its hands on those assets because you're talking about all the established back catalog of Fox plus all the rights back to X-Men, Deadpool, all these, you know, franchises that, you know, uh, when combined with their established characters that they've built up, uh, you know, over the last uh, nine years of Marvel
Marvel, you know, Marvel Studios filmmaking would make for uh, some really, really interesting uh, possibilities. You know, I, I heard this story and immediately started getting visions in my head of the, you know, Avengers X-Men crossover or the Deadpool Spider-Man crossover or, you know, mm-hmm. the things that they could do by having all of these characters back in the fold. Uh, you know, the, you know, I, I have had a dream since I was a, a kid. You know, one of my all-time favorite uh, stories is Secret Wars, which was this great 12-issue limited series where uh, all the heroes, you know, are a huge selection of heroes from the Marvel Universe get whisked away to the far side of the galaxy and put on this planet where they have to battle all the villains from Earth as well. And it's this really, you know, no-holds-barred 12 issues of just, you know, amazing stuff. Uh, and, I w- you know, I would dream that one day they'd be able to make that picture, but it's never been reality because those things have never been possible because of the split between the properties. Now that they've got Spider-Man back in the fold, uh, getting X-Men back in the fold, if they could get, you know, Fantastic Four back from, uh, from oh, who has the rights to that? It's not, uh, it's not universal. It's not. Just... It, it could be Sony. If it wasn't Fox, I assumed it was probably Sony. Maybe, you know what? Maybe it is Fox. I think you're right, actually, Jaime. But uh, yeah, that possibility is extremely exciting. The idea of having a unified Marvel Cinematic Universe. I mean, I want to know how soon they can get this deal done and get those movies underway. Yeah, it, it'll be incredible. I mean, it was a, a big deal that they were able to do that crossover with Spider-Man. Uh, even though it is a Marvel property, they didn't own the uh, the rights to the movies. Um, but bringing Spider-Man into the fold, I think, was sort of the, the first step towards them consolidating everything. And if it makes things easier to just outright buy Fox and therefore own your own rights, I mean, I'd be for that. And imagine the possibilities for the, the crossovers. Are we talking about all these things under the DC, um, or DC, that's good. All the things under the Disney umbrella now. You know, you could you could mash the heck out of this universe now. If you can have, you know, the Star Wars universe, the Marvel universe, all these characters all under one umbrella, you know, imagine the possibility. They would also get the rights to Avatar. Uh, you know, you, you have some really interesting places that movies could go for the next, you know, 20, 30, 50 years. If you can mash some of these things together, you you never know what's out there. It's true. Mm-hmm. I want to see the Wolverine versus Darth Vader fused with blue cats from space epic throwdown. That's true, but they're missing out the huge fiction that's Fox News, though. Yes, well. <laughs> Sean Hannity giving the, the news yeah. report. I think it's worth it just so they can put the Fox, uh, 20th Century Fox uh, song back at the beginning of the Star Wars pictures. Right, yeah, for sure, yeah. dum 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 Yeah, yeah. So, speaking of which, just a quick digression here, I just, I watched a bit of the droids, Star Wars droids um, TV show from a few years ago. Oh, yeah. That's a real foreshortened Star Wars tune at the beginning of the uh, beginning of the show, right? So, <laughs> yeah. 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 Interesting. Just caught my, caught my ear. I went, wait, that was way too quick. Yeah. Anywho. Uh, so tell us about uh, Daisy Ridley. Daisy Ridley. So that was an interesting one, too. And uh, I just I just caught one of this today. So she did an interview um, this week where she said that uh, as far as she could say, she was talking to Rolling Stone and she said that uh, as far as she's concerned after episode nine she's done playing this part so there's oh, been good luck to you lady <laughs> yeah well you know just i'm sure mark hamill thought the same thing but you know uh, things happen or william shatner yeah exactly so uh you know she apparently said to them uh, when asked if she thought she would play the character again she said no she said you know i really didn't know what i was in for it just seemed like an awesome opportunity uh but
but you know, uh, she said signing on for three films. I'm going to do three films, and then I'll be ready to round it out. She said. So interesting to know what that might do for you know the Skywalker saga going forward. If we are eventually destined to see an episode 10, 11, 12, 26, 27, 28. Uh, It'll be the Pogs or whatever those guys are, the, the right? The Porgs, yes. Oh, all Porgs all the time. Yeah, I can't wait for the Porgs Jar Jar Ewoks crossover. But yeah, interesting to to hear her take that stance. Now again, uh, you know, this, uh, we just talked about it. Disney, uh, of course, owns the, uh, the, the Lucasverse, the Star Wars universe now. And, you know, they can back a Brinks truck up to her house and maybe that changes her mind. But uh, it'd be interesting to see if she holds true to that. You know, we're talking about, you know, she's made a commitment. She's been working on these pictures for the last, what, four years of her life. She's committed probably for at least another couple of years to playing this part. You know, that's that's a large portion of your life to play one part. So I can get her perspective and she probably wants to go do other things. But uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of weird to think of somebody making that choice when, you know, it's the crux of popular culture at this point, right? Yeah, well, it's the same, same with Harrison Ford and um, Indiana Jones, you know, um, and even Sean Conn and James Bond, right? You, you 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 can leave, but you can check out, but you can never leave, you know, as they say in the Hotel California, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, it'd be interesting to see if she can actually hold to that and, and we may be talking back about this one down the road too when, you know, oh, big news. Uh, Daisy Risley just signed a three-picture deal worth uh, $20 million a picture and, uh, you know, she's going to come back and play Ray until she's old and gray, so. Well, what do you think about, compare her to, say, Natalie Portman, who had a bit of a career before Star Wars? right yep and then did three movies and then and has continued to have a career afterwards right um it's true although i think you know i mean natalie portman also you know famously as i think we talked about is uh, you know written out or left the uh, thor universe as well so she's had a couple of kicks at the can at these sort of large uh pieces but i I don't think anybody came out looking good out of that uh the prequel series uh you know she did not exactly raise the bar i think if anyone came out with their dignity still intact that might be you and McGregor oh for sure yeah you yeah, know sure. by far the best piece of those uh, prequels uh, and Darth Maul was pretty cool he was till like for the you know what combined 20 minutes of screen time he got from one picture that's true, that's, true. Right. <laughs> that's Ray Park's lot in life he, get, he tends to have these really amazing roles and yet doesn't really get exposed in fact it's not even his voice right yeah that's right that's mm-hmm. right yeah. that remains to be seen I mean it, it, you know as much as we like to get nostalgia about Star Wars you can also be realistic about it and you can't do something like that forever unless you're Chewbacca right or, well there's a new guy playing Chewbacca now too right yeah that's true that's true yeah or I was going to say like R2-D2 C-3PO there's a new guy in R2-D2 too somehow Anthony that's Daniels still alive true. still wearing the costume true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. so what do you got here about Luke and maiming Womp- Wampa maiming <laughs> this was another fun story uh, I saw this on uh, our, our good friends over at io9 who uh, again uh, definitely check them out every day lots of fun with science and science fiction but uh, they put uh, they followed up this story so uh, Mark Hamill tweeted about uh, he received a cake shaped like a severed Wampa's arm as, <laughs> as a gag. You know, ha ha ha, you got that. So apparently uh, Mark Hamill 
took it upon himself to clarify this scene. So he said, when I was filming the scene, I was assured that my lightsaber swiped towards camera. The creature was not on the set, would simply singe the fur to scare off the ho- scare him off horrified, only to see later that it was an amputation and unnecessary cruelty. The Wampa was simply hungry, not evil. Luke would never do this. Hashtag still angry 2017. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So <laughs> just funny that, you know, we're getting a little revisionist history and it's, you know, he's got a point. I, I, I found myself from time to time thinking there's got to be an excellent, you know, animated short or a robot chicken skit with, you know, this this Wampa was just like, oh man, I'm out here in the ice and it's cold and I can never find enough tauntauns. To, hey, there's a guy with a tauntaun. This is awesome. It's like a buffet on legs. And, you know, this guy chops off his arm for trying to, you know, eke out a living out there in the snow. Uh, and, and, you know, presumably this thing drops dead because I don't know how good these things are regrowing their arms on a short notice, but but, uh, or it becomes, you know, has to get a prosthetic arm or whatever, you know. You know, I, I really think we're onto something for The Last Jedi when the final scene turns and you hear this ominous music and it's a Wampa with like a Darth Vader arm on it holding a lightsaber. Mm-hmm. I would pay twice as much to see that be the bad guy in The Last Jedi. Where he ends up like the abominable snowman in, in uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, right? So, <laughs> Shane. <laughs> Anywho, all right. Well, you know, but but just in terms of in terms of continuity, I mean, it was sort of the, or, you know, how you hook people in the scene of the arm hitting the floor is reminiscent of the scene of the arm hitting the floor in in the um the bar right yep in new hope so yep. that's what that was all about right? yep so did an arm fall off in um in uh return of the jedi i don't remember uh i don't remember him taking anybody's arm off i mean no, he he was swinging some... that lightsaber pretty freely when he was going i was gonna say but that seems bars. to be obviously that's the jedi thing like you know like uh um alec mcginn alec guinness i almost said mcginnis alec guinness slices off the the one guy's arm and then luke carries on the tradition and slices off another guy's arm right yeah you know so, so. when in danger jedis just go for the the shoulder joints to- yeah. and then of course you know darth maul gets chopped in half right so i think we're on to something here these are these are not the benevolent peacekeepers they put themselves out there yeah. be these guys are then, of course oh, well don't forget um anakin skywalker goes and like you know lops off tons of people in the, the last movie right yeah well you know children's heads so that's and, not and he good. loses his arms and his legs let's not forget right <laughs> fair enough that's true he does get his uh, he gets a couple of bits chopped off by uh, Obi-Wan too. By Obi-Wan, same guy. <laughs> He's pathological, right? <laughs> Running around chopping people in half, right? I think we're onto something here. I think there's there's something to be diagnosed. I have a bad here. feeling about this. You know? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, so I was watching The Walking Dead the other day and of course uh, they announced that, that on The Talking Dead that Morgan was leaving The Walking Dead. So what do you what do you got for that one? Yeah, I just wanted to call that out. I know, uh, you know, hopefully some of our listeners are across the line uh, genre fans and, you know, uh, there had been a story for a while that they were going to take one of the characters from The Walking Dead and uh, have them appear on Fear the Walking Dead, the spinoff series, which is actually a prequel. Uh, yeah, yeah. So the, they announced on Talking Dead this week that it's going to be Morgan, played by Lenny Lenny Harris? Lenny, Lenny Harris? I'll have to check that. I'm not shows what I know. Lenny yeah, James? Lenny, 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 Lenny James. Lenny James. Oh, there we go. Lenny James. And uh, of course, he's, he's wonderful on that series you know the episode they did uh, i think it was 
or the last season or two seasons ago, the solo episode where we sort of learned where he was, uh, where he trained with the Bo staff and everything. It was one of the best episodes of that series. Um, so interesting that they'll be able to do that because we established in the Walking Dead world that uh, we saw him in the first episode uh, where he you know encounters Rick and then we don't see him again. And when they re-encounter him years later, uh, he's lost his marbles because his, you know, his son is gone and his wife is gone and he's, you know, uh, just absolutely lost his mind and has to sort of be brought back to reality. Uh, and then we, he disappears again and we now know from his backstory, he goes off and trains oh, okay. the staff and everything. So somewhere in there, he's going to have to have gone and gone from what we established as Georgia all the way down to... I, uh, so I'm Fear the Walking Dead. They're headed to Texas. So somewhere in there... They're actually, they're in Mexico somewhere-ish. Pixar's where they are for that. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, they're right down on the border of Texas and Mexico. So it'll be interesting to see where they... Uh, how they bring those worlds together. Uh, and, you know, interesting to see how they tie that that all together. So that it is not only does he have to leave Georgia, he has to go down there and then he has to come all the way back. So uh, I guess it's a good reason to go back and start watching Fear the Walking Dead if you've not kept up with it or uh, oh, I have I have yeah. you know but uh, yeah it'll be interesting to see how they weave those stories together um, you know again well, it's, it's true that it's true that they he does afford them that I was gonna I was gonna say when, when as soon as, he, as soon as I heard the story or, or I was kind of wondering about it because you know Fear the Walking Dead takes place before the or during the, the beginning of the apocalypse if you will yeah and and um, you know Rick wakes up in the middle of the apocalypse so the apocalypse is already well underway when Rick wakes up from his coma. Um, he meets Lenny at the beginning of that and um, or sorry, Morgan. Uh, he meets him and he's just a regular guy with a kid. They're just trying to survive the apocalypse. And then of course and that was in season one and then he's gone for like four seasons or something like that and then he shows up later on. Uh, so I guess he's gone off and had this, you know, this excursion and this life um, where he's obviously gone down and gotten trained by the uh, the people in the in there. There was an episode in, in uh, The Walking Dead where we learn how, how he learns about the staff and using the quarter staff and, and all that kind of stuff and how he learns not to want to kill people which is or not to kill not even to kill walker well he kills walkers yeah but he doesn't want he doesn't want to fight and that's sort of he learns that from the person who teaches him about, about the staff right spoilers for those of you who haven't watched the walking dead but that's been like three years give me a break um <laughs> sorry yeah, so, so, so it just the timeline timeline doesn't quite sort of fit like for me like you know because the walking sorry the fear walking dead is right at the beginning of the story of, of how all this stuff happens. So, um, you know, it's only, it's only been like a month or two or whatever since, you know, this whole sort of thing started to happen where we are in the in the Fear of Walking Dead in like season three, right? So whereas we're, you know, seven or eight seasons into um, The Walking Dead, right? So, and who knows whether, are we supposed to think it's like been, you know, a year maybe in the seven years that they played out the story, you know? Oh, well, it has to be longer than that. I mean, just Carl's growing alone. I mean... Oh, yeah, Carl alone, yeah, for sure. Or And Judith, the daughter, right? Yeah, well, yeah, that's it. I mean, she wasn't even born when the series started, and now she she's like a toddler, two, yeah. so yeah, yeah. got to be at least a few years mixed in there. Yeah, yeah. So hmm. Rick's yeah, beard I mean, keeps getting whiter and whiter. Yeah, so it kind of it makes sense from the point of view that you know Morgan was gone for three years, right? So yeah, you know Carol goes off wandering off and from time to time, but she usually comes back within a couple of months. You know, she, she finds a way to come back to this to them to the group. Yeah, and there was a rumor that uh, a rumor, I guess, fan speculation is what you should call it, but um, there was. 
speculation that it would be Abraham uh, who would might have been the character who ended up on Fear the Walking Dead because we didn't really have a large backstory with him as to where he was prior to meeting up with the group in The Walking Dead. Um, it would have been a nice way to uh, bring that actor back, who, of course, um, is, has left the show uh, over the last couple of years for uh, baseball bat reasons. But, um, you know, it, that one would have, I think, made a lot of sense just because it would have been easier to write to. So here, I think... Oh, wait, did we just spoil it for Jaime? Uh, I don't know. Jaime, how do you feel about that? Is that a spoiler? No, it's fine. I'm, I'm getting a little lost on... <laughs> at one point, I, so I'd read uh, a lot of the comic books, but in a like graphic novel form, it was you know a whole bunch of them uh, comprised together. Um, and at one point, I was well ahead of the TV show. And I think the TV show has passed where I read in the comic book. So yeah. it's a little unclear to me what's spoiler and what's just me forgetting that I read something about it. Yeah. Just don't listen to this episode then. That's all <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, uh, spoilers. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Spoilers. I yeah, did say spoilers. What's the everybody. statute of limitations on spoilers? We'll have to figure that one out. That's a good job for uh, all of us. I don't know. I think it's a couple of years. It's yeah. got to be a couple of years. Yeah, for sure. I, I remember hearing a great, uh, I think it was a podcast. It might be the watch from the ringer that where they talked about the statute of limitations being one season. So if you haven't caught up on the last season before the new season begins, then it's kind of on you, which I think is, you know, and then I think they were talking specifically about sort of Netflix model seasons where, you know, you've got eight months, a year in between to catch up. And if you don't, you know, a year is probably a good amount of time to let people catch up. And if they don't, they, they kind of have to make a choice as to what they, you know, take in in their podcasting and or, you know, spoiler filled internet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds pretty good to me. George R. R. Martin, the creator of the Game of Thrones uh, books and and uh, and TV show, apparently is going to be uh, working with the Sci-Fi Channel to create um, a limited series. It looks like uh, planned to be a ten episode season based on his 1981 Hugo Award winning novella called Night Flyers, which is oh, nice. apparently follows a group of researchers who charter a mysterious spaceship to transport them to an alien ship passing through the galaxy. I know literally nothing about any of these things. So <laughs> be somebody else on the show might, might but you know given who it's coming from like hey that sounds like it's worth watching sounds like rendezvous with rama but yeah well you know hmm. yeah and, and they're, they're doing 10 episodes right i believe that's the case yeah yeah i think at this point he's got enough cachet that you know er, anything that they do related to his work is gonna be worth a look yeah for sure, sure. and don't get don't get too tied to too many characters right <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right Jaime. so you're the, you're the man here what's the what's the main event for us today yeah as of this recording um the trailer for Avengers Infinity War just dropped oh, today. Right. And that is a movie that is scheduled to come out uh, May of 2018. So just a little bit after the February 2018 release of Black Panther, the next movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And boy, oh boy, do they have everything in there. I mean, uh, if you haven't caught up with other Marvel movies and you're not sure where, where characters are at, uh, there's tons of spoilers. Just the existence of some characters is tons of spoilers. But it, it looks really, really exciting. And I think this sort of gets a little bit to the the bits I'd mentioned in my Thor Ragnarok and Justice League discussion previous episode of like they really earned their way here like they built stuff for years and I'm looking at the list here I say at least since 2008 they've been building up and they're still continuing to build up even beyond this it's, it's quite impressive that characters like uh, who I, I'm going to pick on the Guardians of the Galaxy they got introduced way back in 2014 and here they are uh, paying off at the very you know tail end of this whole thing uh, four years later yeah 
And uh, I mean, so, so many little things to digest from this. I mean, uh, you know, these are, I've already seen more than a handful of, uh, of really deep analysis on, on frame by frame of this online. Uh, you know, there's, there's so many little tasty tidbits to chew on in this trailer. What, what, what stood out for you? What was the, what, you know, what were some of the visuals that just jumped out at you? I think the way they sort of portrayed uh, some of the, the Marvel characters that have been around for a long time, um, Tony Stark and uh, Captain America. What really came to my mind is if you were going to go this way and they, they sort of have a, a very sort of ominous tone in part of the, the trailer where, hey, if you were being practical and said, well, we have a ton of characters, um, we're looking to acquire more or at least regain the rights to other ones. Actors are starting to, to run out through their uh, multi-year contracts. Maybe you might want to start, you know, retiring or killing off some of these characters in the, the Infinity War would actually be quite appropriate given what happens in the comic book part of um, the Infinity Gauntlet series. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I because of, I think you and I have the same, you know, background in, in reading these stories. Really interesting to see if that's the route they go. And, uh, you know, we won't spoil it for Tim, but, you know, some pretty dramatic events from that that uh, classic miniseries that, uh, you know, that really went to some interesting places. You know, Thanos being one of these great, you know, villains who, you know, he's not playing for like, I want to be the king. Uh, he's He's got his own agenda and, and it's a pretty dark one. Um, and it'll be interesting to see if the Avengers go to that place. What, uh, what about you, Tim? Did you have a chance to see this? Hello. Do we... Sorry, I'm watching the trailer. Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess that answers my question. Yeah, it, it covers so many, so many characters. Um, so I'm looking at, let me look at the, the cinematic universe. So yep, Iron Man's in there, Hulk, uh, Thor, Captain America, uh, of course, the people who were in, introduced during the Avengers movies, like Black Widow. Um, I don't remember if I saw Hawkeye in there. There were so many people, it wouldn't surprise me if I missed him. Um, uh, the Winter Soldier, we've yep. got uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy come out towards the tail end, which is great. Um, uh, the Scarlet Witch, Vision. Um, Spidey. Spider-Man, yes, that's true, from uh, Homecoming. Um, Ant-Man, I don't remember seeing him in there, yeah. but as people joked online, like maybe he was just too small for anybody to, to see. <laughs> yeah, and Black Panther, of course, who's going to be our next uh, right. yeah. delve yeah. into the Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe. We're going to get this awesome looking thing. Uh, there's uh, War Machine shows up at one point in that scene where they're running mm-hmm. towards the camera. You can see War Machine flying uh, just over Hulk's shoulder as all the Wakandans are coming across the battlefield. Uh, Thor, yeah. yeah. Guardians, check. Doctor uh, Strange. Doctor Strange and Wong, yeah. Like, this looks like they have got uh, every last bit of their universe out there. And and some interesting little twists in there, I'm, uh, not the least of which is uh, uh, a blonde Black Widow. Yeah, yeah, I noticed mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks like Paul Bettany didn't have to put on full makeup at some point. Uh, we got a, a human-looking version of the the Vision. Mm-hmm. That's going to be interesting to see how they how they work that in there. That's that's an interesting twist. Um, we got a return of the Hulkbuster armor from Age of Ultron, right? Uh, yeah. Which you know, famously the big battle between uh, between you know Black Panther and uh, or Black Panther between Hulk and Iron Man in Africa, right. which is right on the border of Wakanda. Uh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting to see where that goes, how that all ties in with the Black Panther movie. And so the guy with the big chin, is he from the Thor 
movie that you were saying while I wasn't listening? No. Oh, okay. No, he's he's been the big bad that's been hiding in the background. He was in Guardians yeah, of the Galaxy right, 1. Yeah. That's that's Thanos. Right, right. Thanos. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um yeah, so looks pretty epic and it looks like uh yeah, it looks like things uh take a dark turn for Thor as he finds himself uh you know, he looks like he's having a rough ride after the end of that Ragnarok movie cuz Right, yeah. He's drifting in space and then gets picked up by the Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> with one eye too, I noticed, right? With with one eye, yeah, you, you'll have to uh, catch up on Thor to get the backstory there. Right, right. But yeah, I mean, this is just, uh, you know, it's funny. I, I watched it, you know, first thing this morning when, uh, you know, when I got up, I got a chance to see it and I was, you know, thrilled, of course. And and uh, I got home after work tonight and I, I said to my uh, eldest son, you know, uh, have you seen the trailer? And he said, no, I saw that it was on there, but I haven't watched it yet. Did you watch it? I said, yeah, I did. I said, okay, you put it on. I'm going to watch you watch it. And <laughs> he watched it and he's, you know, his eyes are getting wider as he's watching this thing because, you know, like so many of us, he's gone through this ride of all these movies culminating towards this great, big, huge, epic, you know, so many characters packed in there. And it ended and he looked at me and said, we have to wait till May? Said, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I said, yeah, you know, you know, yeah. And he said, you know, wow, what'd you think about that? And I said, I, I think I enjoyed that trailer more than I enjoyed Justice League. Right, right. You know, <laughs> like there was more moments in there where I was like, whoa, then then maybe the whole Justice League movie. And and I think, Jaime, I think, you know, you you absolutely, you nailed it a couple of weeks ago. And I think, you, you know, carrying it through, it, it's it's so earned. You know, we, we, they have built this universe over the last nine years and dozen pictures to the point where this is such a huge payoff to see these characters all culminating in this storyline. You know, this is, this is, you know, the biggest, sweetest, juiciest plum you could ask for after all this buildup. And, you know, on one hand, you know, the, the stakes are, are unbelievable like you know this movie almost seems too big to fail but dear god what if it what if it's terrible <laughs> <laughs> that's that that is a, a good question um i'd have to imagine that uh however the movie ends it's probably going to be uh, reasonably open-ended because they still have um ant-man and the wasp uh captain marvel uh subsequent untitled avengers film that will be part of the the same captain marvel thing. wait a minute mm-hmm. captain marvel and there's uh they've confirmed she will be appearing in this picture too who captain marvel brie larson oh, who's that? oh 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 i see you so i thought it was a different i thought you were talking about um the character that benedict cumberbatch plays doctor strange doctor strange yeah. Yeah. he's in the trailer right? he's in so, the trailer i guess i guess you guys were talking about while i was watching the trailer you were talking about who wasn't in the trailer like the hawk or um hawkeye hawkeye yeah yeah and uh but i can't think of it who wasn't in the trailer yeah we saw the falcon in there we saw uh yeah like you say we yeah. clearly they've uh, defrosted uh, they put uh, uh the witcher soldier in the in the microwave for yeah. a few minutes and frosted them yeah. out so that's good and thor's brothers there yeah 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 so mm-hmm. not much missing at this point except for natalie portman maybe well i think we'll do without her it's okay but right. yeah i mean uh, and you know again lots of little moments as you you know you go through this thing motion by motion like i say there's a million uh you know breakdowns of this if you go online there's no count no counting the number of youtube channels that are dedicated to breaking this thing down today but you know some pretty cool moments uh couldn't help but notice that Tony Stark seems to have an arc reactor in his chest again. Mm. Which, oh, did he get taken mm-hmm. out or something? That was the big, huge portion of, of part three, Iron Man 3, was that uh, he was finally getting this thing removed and it was a dangerous 
surgery, but he's getting this thing removed from his chest and he could get on with his life. Uh, but, you know, there's the scene where you see a demolished street scene in, in what looks to be New York City and uh, Robert Downey Jr. is dramatically taking off his glasses to look at something and there's a clear look at an arc reactor in his chest. So uh, yeah, I'm yeah. really keen to know how that happened. Hmm. And, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how that goes. Yeah, and, and the opening scene of the trailer, we see a very emotional looking Robert Downey Jr. cradling perhaps somebody's hand of somebody who's dead. Mm-hmm. And what, what about that dude that um, came out of the, they, they turned his AI into person? Vision. That's the vision that he's talking oh, about. So okay, okay. You probably oh, remember him. Person. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because he was the, the reddish, greenish color, yeah. coloration uh, Android guy who uh, Jonathan mentioned looks yeah. normal except for a big glowing yellow gem in his head. Yeah, which yeah, uh, later in we see excised from his head. What's the name of the actor from uh, Beautiful Mind? Russell Crowe? Yes. I thought that the, he was a character in Russell Crowe's mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be later in. That's another crossover yeah, movie. Another, another crossover movie. Yeah, yeah. They'll bring, they'll bring back David Bowie to you know play around with uh, Russell Crowe's wife. Yeah. Um, yeah. Connolly. Connolly, thank you. All right. Yeah, I'm curious to see what ends up happening in this movie um, from the Infinity Stone standpoint because um, it's sort of central to, to Thanos' character from the Infinity Gauntlet series that he... Putting them in the knuckles of his glove, right? Yeah. Right. And there are six Infinity Stones oh, in, are there? Oh. in Marvel comics. I don't know. That, maybe they said in Guardians of the Galaxy how many there were. Um, I, I assume it's still six. But so far, I think we've seen four uh, through the different mm-hmm. movies. I think we've seen and, five. I think uh, that I can recall. I think we've seen five. Oh, really? Okay. So yeah. that's interesting. I was trying to... I'm sure we'll end up correcting this one too. So we, yeah. Yeah. we saw one in uh, Captain America. Yep. We saw one in Thor the Dark World, yeah. uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, um, Age of Ultron, I think is probably where that one came from. What was the fifth one? So let's let's go through here. I, I can look this up on the fly here. All right. So the Soul Gem is the one in Vision's head. Okay. The Time Gem was in Doctor Strange. That's in his Eye oh, of Agamotto. Yeah, right, right. The, uh, the, oh, you know what? Actually, the one in Vision's head might be the Mind Gem. I'm going to have to think about that one. Uh, the Power Gem was the one from uh, from Thor. The Space Gem I think was the one that was in or no, the Power Gem was the one in Guardians of the Galaxy. The Space Gem was the one that was in... Oh, see, now I'm confused. Let's see. Okay, well, we'll have to have some fact check for next week. Since we'll we fact check. Out. Anyway, yeah. yes. Oh, here we go. Okay, I got it. I got it. I got it. Oh, okay, hurry. I got hurry. It. Space Stone, blue. So that was the Tesseract. That was the thing from uh, uh, Ca- uh, Captain America, the First Avengers. So that's the, the Space Stone. Um, that's the one that Loki has. Sorry, Tim has at the end of Thor Ragnarok. <gasps> ah, you, you snooze, you lose. Um, the Mind Stone, that's the one that Vision has in his head. The Reality Stone is the one that was in Thor The Dark World, and that's in the possession of the Collector, uh, who we met in Guardians of the Galaxy 1. Mm-hmm. Right. The Power Stone is the one that Ronan the Accuser had that ends up with the Nova Corps after Guardians of the Galaxy. That's the that's the one that they're after, and that, that um, Star-Lord saves the world, saves, saves the galaxy with that one. The time Stone is the one that is in the Eye of Agamotto uh, that is the necklace thing that... Um that Doctor Strange uses in his movie. And the Soul Stone is the one that we haven't seen. 
Okay, so that sounds like we've seen five and they have Black Panther in between. Yeah. It gives us an opportunity to, to round out the six stones. Okay, cool. Yeah. And, in this, <laughs> and in this trailer, we saw uh, we saw the Infinity Gauntlet on Thanos' hand and he has two of the stones in it. One of them is the Power Stone. That's the one that the Nova Corps had. And one of them is uh, the Soul Stone. Soul Stone? Uh, I'm confused again. He has the one, the Space Stone. That's the one that Loki has. So he's got the one from Loki and he's got the one from uh, the Nova Corps in, on his glove in the trailer. That's two. We see Vision getting the one ripped out of his head. That's a third one. So right. it looks like he might have as many as three stones going forward to mm-hmm. form the Infinity Gauntlet. Oh, is that what that is? Okay. Yeah, give himself ultimate power over Does everything. he need all six to make the fully powered Infinity Gauntlet? Yeah. yeah. And I guarantee you that will be one of the top sellers uh, of uh, swag <laughs> you can get. Yeah, but you'll have to grind for 40 hours to earn each stone. Yeah, right. <laughs> wah, wah, right. Wah, wah. Yeah, on that, on that note, hey, I mean, if people want to find you on the interwebs, where would they look? I'm on Twitter as at Dev with a hair. Right, and Jonathan, if people want to find you? I'm on Twitter as at JPK News. All right, and I am Timitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A on the Twitter machine, and we'll talk to you guys in the future. Woo! Away with you! <laughs> up, up, and away! Bye! 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 That concludes another episode of SpotCast, streamed to you via subspace signal. I'm friend of the show, Greg Keo, joining you from Sector 001. If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the SpotCast website at spotcast.com. You can get in touch with your Star Trek nerd hosts on the website or follow them on Twitter. They're at SpotCast. If you have feedback or questions, send them a tweet with the hashtag AskSpotCast. If you like the show, please consider recommending it to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount of gold press latinum at patreon.com slash spotcast. You can find details on how to help them out on the website, spotcast.com slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the future. Wishing you peace and long life. Sorry, I was I was actually sitting on the couch looking at ancestry.ca when you when I looked at it and realized it was like five after nine. I'm like, oh, you're trying to figure out where you came from, or oh, I know where I came from. No, no, we we bought a couple of those um, uh, DNA kits. Oh yeah. So I bought like on the Black Friday sale or Cyber Monday sale. So I bought one and then I sort of said to Carol, I could have saved like ten dollars on shipping a second one. And I said to Carol, hey, do you do you want to get one too? And she said, yeah, it'd be fun. And you know, find out where our spit is from. Well, I guess wherever her spit's from, half of my spit's from too. So well, at least half your spit that's true yeah yeah that's that's the whole theory behind it let me find this note that i said to jaime uh so jonathan do you know about the root have you upgraded to high sierra yet i just upgraded to the other day and then i saw that story online today so i haven't done the uh they put out a patch yet yeah they put one out today but apparently people are complaining that it breaks your uh your file sharing and for some reason it doesn't it doesn't seem to affect my machines but then i've i've been using root uh, the root account for you i used it for years and then i disabled it and blah 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 so i already had a root password set up on my machines so nice years come by, so but i haven't been able to reproduce the, the the problem maybe i'll try it in carol's computer that's a fairly new one yeah anyway yeah
yeah, run the patch, but you know, be be warned it to, might break your file share. Well, what I'll do is I'll send you this uh, file before I break anything, and then we'll go from there. Sure, that would be good. <laughs> All right. All right. So talk to you guys later. All, All right. right. Till next time. All right. Okay, bye. See you guys. Bye.